Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Method and Madness is a true crime podcast and contains descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. All witnesses, persons of interest, and or suspects are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This episode contains accounts of events that do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the creator of this podcast and should not be taken as undisputed fact. I'm not going to sit back and just let someone take my mom's name and bury it in the ground. This is Method of Madness, Episode 67. Murdered, Kristen O'Connell, Part 9. I'm your host, Dawn Gandhi. Hindsight. Is it 2020? If it is, does it mean that we look back and look at mistakes and become wiser? There's a quote attributed to Einstein, to Proverbs, sometimes to Homer, that after an event, even a fool is wise. We tend to look at the past actions or mistakes of others with our glasses at the tips of our noses, a metaphorical pencil between our lips as we ponder and then expertly describe how we would have done that differently. We would have called the police right away and reported the girl missing. Recently, I was speaking with JoLynn Rice, the founder of Cold Case Advocacy and an integral member of Team Kristen. We were discussing the coulda, shoulda, woulda of the night of August 14, 1985, how a call to the police may not have saved Kristen's life but it could have helped the investigation into her murder. It's possible Kristen could have been found earlier, before the rain washed away a lot of evidence. It's possible that with an earlier police response, more could have been seen in and around the area of the cornfield. A witness, a perpetrator, other evidence, a weapon. But we won't know what could have happened or what could have been prevented. In part three of this series, I spoke about a witness who says she saw something that night that Kristen O'Connell was murdered. She wasn't sure exactly what it meant at the time. That witness is no longer here to share that story, but her daughter is. Let's dive in. On the evening of August 14, 1985, 20-year-old Kristen O'Connell was contemplating leaving Ovid, New York, early to go back home to Minneapolis. 
Around 11.30 p.m., she left the trailer that she had stayed in for two nights and went for a walk, alone, in the dark. Meanwhile, on that same night, 20-year-old Lori McConnell received a request. Lori's parents were divorced, and she was living with her father at the time. And on that brutally hot Wednesday in the Finger Lakes region of New York, Lori was asked to swing by her mother's house in Interlaken, a few miles from Ovid, and to check in on her mom's house that she shared with Lori's stepfather. Mom and stepdad were away camping, and they wanted to make sure that Lori's stepbrother, Doug, wasn't using the house to throw any wild parties. And so Lori did as her mom asked. She, accompanied by her friend Dawn, entered the home that night and sat at the kitchen table, chatting away with just a small light on when the door opened and three men entered. Lori was silenced in 2018 and can no longer tell the account of what happened that night, but her family heard it many times over the years. My name is Laura. I am the daughter of Lori McConnell. A lot of people that knew her, she they knew that she was very spontaneous. She was the light of the party. Like, everybody loved to be with her. And she was just fun, loving. She loved her family with everything that she had in her. She's definitely missed because... She definitely brought a lot of light to all of our lives. I've gotten to know Laura over the past few weeks. She's super, super kind, really lovely. And she's been following Kristen's case. She reached out to me just to share that her mother never once changed her story on what she saw the night that Kristen was murdered. And Laura wanted people to know that her mom was a real person, not just a witness to an event not just someone to write off and discredit simply because she isn't here to defend herself. So I invited Laura to come on and talk about anything and everything she wanted to share. And I welcomed knowing more about who Lori McConnell was as a person. For instance, she loved Elvis. Her favorite actor was Robin Williams. And she loved her family, including her three children and her grandchildren. She was very big into Christmas. She would, I've said this to many people, she would stream the lights and the garland across the ceiling in the living room and every inch of our house was full of Santa and just lights. It was it was crazy. And now I've kind of gained that from her and now my kids get to experience that because of my mom. Laura describes her mom as beautiful inside and out, the glue that held her family together. Laura was 16 years old when she first heard about her mom's witness account. Here, in Laura's own words, is what her mother Lori saw in the early hours of August 15, 1985, just after 1.30 a.m. She was sitting at a kitchen table with her friend Dawn, who's sadly passed away now too. They were sitting there conversating because she was pretty much babysitting my grandma's house because my grandma didn't trust Doug. And obviously his father didn't either because his father allowed my mom to go there and babysit the house. And these three men, which were Rod, Swank, and Doug, walked in. 
all bloody and surprised that my mom was there and asked what she was doing there. And she asked what, like, why they were all bloody. And they're like, oh, we killed a pig for tomorrow's pig roast. And funny enough, nobody from around that area remembers a pig roast. I would really like to hear, like, how this pig roast went. This account probably sounds familiar to you if you've been following this case. This became known as the theory of the pig roasters. In episode three, you heard Doug Zamet come on the podcast. He was, at the time of Kristen's murder, Lori McConnell's stepbrother. His dad was married to Lori's mom. Doug talked about his side of the events that occurred that week in August of 1985 in upstate New York. According to Doug, his stepsister Lori did see him covered in blood, but it was days after Kristen's murder, that weekend in fact, immediately after he and two friends had killed a pig for an upcoming pig roast that he was having at the house. I was pretty young. I was like 16. I had talked to you about the story that my mom had talked about it and me and my friend had overheard her talking about it and we thought we were going to be private detectives and try to figure this story out because it wasn't fair to her mom, which back then I didn't know who Phyllis was, but you know, we were young and kind of stupid. <laughs> um, but uh, her story never changed from the time I was 16 to the time I was 30 when she died. Never. Not once. A few years after Laura first heard her mom's account, in 2012, Lori McConnell contacted the police and told them what she had seen on the night in question. What prompted it was hearing that mysterious call to the police in 1985. Here again is that call that was made. Now, this caller has still not been identified. That call wasn't made public until decades after Kristen's murder. She used to watch Channel 9 News. It's ABC News around here. And the local news had people listen to the the voice recording. And my mom called me and she's like, Laura, that sounds like Doug. I said, do you really think it sounds like Doug? And she's like, yeah, like, listen to it. So I'd gotten on Facebook and tried to search it and went, finally I found it somewhere, but found it somewhere. Listened. I don't really know what Doug sounds like because I have not been around him in a long time, like I told you, but I believed in my mom. Like, why would she have to lie about who it sounds like, especially with what she had witnessed that night too. So I, I told her mom, you know, you should come forward. And she's like, well, no, no. Well, mom, like, 
what if that was me? What if, what if I was Kristen and you had to be her mom? She's like, well, let me think about it. And she got off the phone with me. And then shortly, like very shortly after she called me and she's like, Laura, if I do this, I don't want to be alone. Like, would you come sit with me? And obviously I said, yeah. So it wasn't very long after my mom had called in and said she knows, like, she thinks she knows something. And they all got together at her apartment. We were sitting at her little table and they had her listen to the voice recording again. And she swears up and down that it's, that's Doug, that's Doug. So then they had her call him and he he was making himself sound crazy on that video. I remember just being floored. And one of the investigators came to my mom's my mom's trial and they've t- they talked to us as a family and my grandma and they swore up and down everything that quote unquote your daughter said about that night just adds up. Investigators have questioned Doug and the other men that Lori saw that night, yet still no arrests. Doug has denied having any involvement in Kristen O'Connell's murder, has denied that it's his voice on the 911 call from 1985, and has been very vocal since Lori told her side of the story. He's tried to sit there and tell the world that my mom wanted him when she died and she couldn't defend herself. Because he had so many years from the time that she came forward with this to the time that she died to say that she wanted him. But for some reason, he decided to come forward when she died because he knew that she couldn't stand up for herself. But what he didn't realize is that she has a daughter that has the same drive as she did. And I'm not going to sit back and just let someone take my mom's name and bury it in the ground. Doug told me when he was interviewed for the podcast that Lori's mother permitted him to have a pig roast that weekend, August 17th, but that the day after, that Sunday, she called the police on her stepson and had him removed from her property. Records were requested from the Interlaken PD recently, seeking all police incident reports and associated documents for that weekend involving a nuisance call on Doug Zamet at or around the residence in Interlake in New York. Robert Duello, chief of police in Interlake, and responded to the request and found that no such records exist. State Trooper Investigator Pete McCadden told me that didn't surprise him. If the records aren't digitized or if another agency responded to the nuisance call, it would possibly come back with negative results. Now, hindsight may make you question why Lori McConnell didn't come forward earlier when she saw something. Maybe she believed the pig roast account when she heard it. Maybe she feared for her own life. She was afraid of the same act happening to her, her children, or her friend Dawn, who was also there, and her children. And Dawn had agreed to that she was afraid for their well-being as well. And if you ask anybody, like her ex-husband, her ex-husband still to this day would be able to tell you her story never changed. 
everybody, anybody that she knew that she would have told this story to, like that she trusted, because she didn't just go around telling the whole town the story. The people that she trusted with with her secret at that time, really, they could tell you that it never changed. It never changed, not where she was, not where she was sitting, not not who the people were, nothing. Nothing ever changed. It wasn't, she didn't come up with a story to get anybody in trouble. It wasn't, she, she had not been in contact with Doug in many years. She didn't need to, she had no use into wanting to get him into trouble, but she wanted to come forward because she's seen something. So that's what she did. Don passed away last year. My mom died in 2018. Don had battled with cancer for, for since I could remember, honestly. She, she battled with different types of cancers, and this last one just took her, took her life. It wasn't quite often, but once in a while it would be brought up. And I think it was more because mom and Don were trying to figure out if they should tell or what they should do. Like, that's more of their, the extent of that conversation. Or maybe, like many people, becoming a parent herself made her look at the events differently. My mom could be very forthcoming, very, very mouthy. I have never witnessed my mom lie. Not once in my life. She had no reason to lie about anything. And there's no reason for her to lie about about this, especially to give a mother hope. My mom it was a mother herself, obviously. And when I came forward and said, Mom, what if it was me? Like that, that struck a nerve with her. So for him to sit there and be like, she's lying, she's lying. Like, what is she, what exactly is she lying about? She told what she's seen. She didn't, like, she didn't see the action happen, obviously. If she did, she would have came forward with that. But she told what she seen, and she seen three men bloodied. But he got pretty defensive about a pig roast, and I've been, <laughs> I've been in enough psych classes because I take college, like I'm in college and stuff, so I take college courses. I know enough to know that anything significant or traumatizing in your life, most people remember. It doesn't matter how old you are; most people remember everything from the night. Lori McConnell was murdered in July of 2018 by her estranged ex-boyfriend. Laura will be working alongside me in an upcoming episode to shed light on her mother's murder, intimate partner violence, and the importance of believing the victim. Stay tuned. If you have any information about Kristen O'Connell's murder, Please contact Investigator Pete McCadden of the New York State Police. Check the show notes for more details. You can also share this episode and Kristen's story on social media. There is power in numbers, and someone out there knows something. To get more information about Kristen's case, visit my friends at Uncovered.com and make sure to join the Facebook group Justice for Kristen O'Connell. Thank you to Laura Bennett, and thank you for listening to this episode of Method and Madness. If you haven't already, please leave a rating or review, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. 
To connect, I'm on Twitter at MethodPod and on Instagram at Method and Madness Pod. To chat, suggest a case, or discuss the episode, reach out to me at methodandmadnesspod at gmail.com. Method and Madness is researched, written, and hosted by me. Sound editing is by Moen Spo. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care of yourself. For crisis support, text hello to 741-741.